Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast with me, Tally Rye. This is the podcast that helps you have a feel-good relationship with fitness, food and body image. This week, I am talking to Millie Gooch, and I think this is going to be a very relevant guest for this time of year. Millie is the founder of Sober Girl Society, and she is also author of the Sober Girl Society Handbook. And we're talking all about her choice to go sober and why reducing or perhaps stopping our alcohol intake can be really beneficial for us. And I think this is a really interesting conversation, especially in January. So I really hope you enjoy listening to this one. Of course, before we get into that, it is time for Train Happy Trooper of the Week. This week's train a happy moment came via our WhatsApp, but it's once again anonymous. I mean, we don't mind anonymous, but if you want to send in your name as well, we love it. Okay, this week's train happy moment. I don't know if this is a train happy moment, but it felt right for me. The last few months, I've not been in a good place. My weight's fluctuated and my fitness has decreased. And I keep still trying to do my, quote, normal workouts because, you know, I should just be doing that to lose weight. But today, I realized that I don't need to concentrate on movement to lose weight, but instead, I need to do what feels good to get my body stronger and to feel more comfortable in my skin. I love this reframe, and I think it's so relatable that so often, the minute our body fluctuates, we feel like we have to do everything we can to try and change it, to to try and shrink it again. And I think especially this time of year, we're feeling a lot of pressure around, you know, you know quote balancing out or you know undoing Christmas and all of that stuff when really if you shift the focus away from that narrative away from trying to change your body and shrink your body to thinking how can movement just make me feel good make me feel stronger make me feel um you know more powerful in my body then I think that's such a fantastic reframe and certainly a train happy reframe So thank you so much for sending that in. And of course, if you would like to send in your train happy moment, we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch via our WhatsApp. If you're an international listener, you want to put plus four four in front of this number, 075-999-27537. And please send us your name, send us your train happy moment, or you can stay anonymous as well if you like. And of course, if you have any questions for myself or for future guests as well, pop those on WhatsApp as well. We love it. And also find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast because we'll be sharing more of our behind the scenes, more clips from the podcast. And just we love to hear what you think of the episodes. Okay, enough from me. Let's get into this week's really interesting chat with Millie Gooch. 
Millie, welcome to the Train Happy podcast. I'm so pleased we got you here. Our first attempt at recording this episode left you being stranded on a train for like five hours. Yeah, definitely not my my best day, I would say. <laughs> but it's fine, I'm here now, no train dramas. We're so here, no train dramas, we're here. And we're recording this pre-January, but it's January when this is going out. And I think this is the perfect time to talk to you. I've wanted to talk to you on the podcast for ages because if people don't know your work, you are the queen <laughs> of going sober. Basically. Thank you. I would take that title. <laughs> yeah, the sober queen. And I'm really interested, having met you before, and just us having really interesting conversations about the parallels of diet culture, of drinking culture, of of um, choosing to go sober and kind of quitting diet culture and and all of that. Um, so I'm really I want to get into all of that today. But I think it'd be really helpful for to kind of start at the beginning and just go into your relationship with alcohol and why why you're even doing what you're doing now yeah so I'll try and keep it as brief as possible and um, my story with alcohol kind of began when I went to university so I'm an August birthday so I turned 18 about two and a half weeks before I went to uni so all of a sudden I'd gone from not really a big drinker to like living on my own at uni working in bars and clubs where the culture was go hard or go home and I always say at the same time it was like when Geordie Shaw was like at its peak so it was like getting mortal was just the norm so I went to uni I worked in loads of bars I worked in loads of clubs and my drinking just I was binge drinking like three or four nights a week like very heavily but you know at that time everyone else was as well so it didn't really seem like anything out of the norm then I kind of left uni and everyone I knew kind of settled down and chilled out a bit and I went to work in media which is quite a booze heavy industry and so I was going to all these parties and free champagne and and I live in Kent so I was I was going from London to Kent and I was like falling asleep on the train ending up in Dover and I was having blackouts so I would not remember large portions of my night I would not remember like a few hours sometimes not how I got home and just slowly without me even realizing I think my relationship changed with alcohol from something that I just did because everyone else did and it was in uni culture to something that was a little bit more sinister and it was something that I actually felt like I needed so I didn't have any confidence so I would go out and drink and that would make me more confident if I was insecure or you know you're getting ready for a night out and you put on an outfit and you, you don't quite like it and you don't like the way you look in it I'd be like it's fine because I'll just drink some wine and then I'll feel better so all of a sudden my my relationship started to change and then the biggest thing I noticed was the effect that it was having on my mental health so anxiety was through the roof depression crippling and I would get that classic beer fear Sunday scaries where I would not remember so much of my night but also just physically I would have that crippling anxiety and I just realized that that started to kind of like creep into my everyday life as well so I'd spend the whole weekend you know doom and gloom come Monday I still wasn't feeling right Tuesday Wednesday was just kind of bringing myself out of it and then Thursday came around Thursday Thursday and I'd be like great I know what make me feel better I'll go out and I just got into this cycle of like drink feel hungover and shit and anxious and then to pick me up I would do it again and what I really found and what I know now is that like mental health problems and alcohol use are so entwined and so hard to kind of 
pick apart because it's a bit chicken and egg of you know was actually I drinking but was I drinking because I was anxious or you know was the anxiety leading me to drink more so when I was 26 I decided I was gonna stop drinking after a very heavy night out I have to say um like a bit of a rock bottom yeah I say that though because I I had a lot of like what I term rock middles that that Mm. night I don't think was necessarily the drunkest I'd ever been on the most hungover I'd ever been but there was like a a switch that flipped the next morning where I just said I'm absolutely sick of waking up like this I'm going to stop drinking and I think at that point I didn't think it was going to be a forever thing but February I'll be five years sober so I'm stuck to it yeah and you know what 26 I think is quite a bold age to be like I'm not going to drink considering that I feel like your 20s in general is just prime drinking time yeah I absolutely stopped in like the middle of yeah the the prime drinking years I think that's why it was quite shocking to all of my friends that you know it wasn't something that I was I was a lot later down the line doing and I think that's one of the things I came across quite a lot as well a lot of people say to me oh you know you're not that bad or you're too young to stop drinking but I was like okay well do we wait to the point where I am that bad then Mm. in 15 years time when I'm in my 40s and you look back and you think god I probably should have stopped drinking then because look where my drinking's got me now so it's one of those things that you can't really win when you when you tell people you're not drinking at 26. And I think you know like you say in your 20s you started to realize you're becoming a bit more dependent on alcohol to just be in social situations to kind of like in in those environments but you're right how how does that escalate and is this the kind of the beginning of a very very slippery slope into something and and the fact that you had that kind of foresight to (laughs) to nip it in the bud because I think I don't know, do you feel like it could have got a lot worse? Yeah. Had you, like, it would have kind of kept slow, maybe even just gradually escalating and escalating. Yeah, 100%. I can't see, with alcohol being so ingrained into everything, I can't see that it would have got any better, really. I can only see that it would have got worse and worse and I would have become slowly more reliant on it you know drinking problems don't just materialize you're not suddenly you wake up and you're addicted to alcohol like it's a slow progressive thing of you just your tolerance constantly going up and you just needing it more and more and that's exactly where I felt I was going and I read a book called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober by Catherine Gray and her life I always say in she was a bit like the ghost of Christmas future for me because I saw the progression of her drinking in her book and where she ended up was slightly worse than where I was at the time but I thought if I keep drinking that will be me so in a way that was like a bit of a warning sign to me I think yeah and how many of us are like re-evaluating our relationship with exercise because we are so dependent on it to exist in social situations you know to have kind of the confidence and stuff and then also to just help us cope with everything and I think a lot of people have kind of spoken about and there's a lot being said around during COVID especially the last couple of years of how more like many more people like drinking more during COVID and relying more on alcohol to kind of get them through tough times. I wonder if there are even more people kind of going, hmm, this is once again, this is maybe the beginning of my slippery slope and like I need to nip this in the bud. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think the 
pandemic really changed our drinking habits, but also kind of shone a light on them. I think a lot of people who had traditionally just been social drinkers then became at-home drinkers, Mm. and we're kind of still seeing the ramifications of that now. But I think it kind of really amped up. But I always say it's a bit like, you know when you go to a club and you're really drunk, but you don't realise how drunk you are until you go to the toilet, and you're like, wow, Mm. I'm really drunk. And I think people were drinking at home and actually for the first time without the kind of stimulus of the like busy club and the music were actually able to see the effect that alcohol was really having on them so you know oh actually I feel a bit sluggish and I'm rowing with my partner more and I'm feeling up I'm like waking up feeling a bit shitty so I I think for a lot of people it it really shone a spotlight on that and the actual effect that alcohol was having on them and also I think a lot of people just realized that they loved lockdown and don't actually really like going out to bars and clubs so I think it definitely changed people's relationships some for the better but some for the worse yeah I know in our house um I'm not a big drinker and I'm kind of like a I have a a drink I don't we don't drink at home so there's that but I grew up within a family that don't really drink so it's just not role modeled to me to to use alcohol for anything and I don't that Jack my fiance he's in such a boozy industry the pub is such a big part of their work um it's kind of mad and he loved working at home because it meant that he noticed such a shift in his productivity for work his mental clarity his anxiety and his mental health um because he was drinking a lot less because he works in an industry that's very much Thursday night, you're at the pub, there's boozy lunches, there's, you know, all the rest of it. And he really felt the ramifications. And actually, now he's now he's able to do more sort of hybrid working, he does have to go into the office. And we've just moved out of London. So he's like, great, I can get the train and I don't have to drink as much. I can stay sober then because I've got the excuse. It's interesting that even... In that industry, I feel like he, it's really hard for him to be publicly choosing not to drink because there's so much peer pressure that goes with it. Um, Even though he knows how great it is for him when he doesn't do it. Yeah, that is the hardest part is it's like we all know and we all have this like unsaid thing of like, oh, if you don't drink, you actually feel great. But then we have this weird kind of social thing that we all have to say to each other, oh, come on, don't be boring. And you know, like your boyfriend, I think I think people realise that there is almost like this thing where we actually all don't want to drink. Yeah. But we feel this like social pressure that we have to. And I noticed it with my friends is that so many of them love going out with me because they don't have to drink. I thought it would be the opposite. I thought they'd be like, oh, don't want to go out with Millie because it's so boring. Yeah, she's In so fa- boring. <laughs> they're the opposite. They're like, I love going out with you. I know it's not going to end in like a three-day bender. And I found it when I was dating as well. I tell people I didn't drink and they'd be like, oh, that's great. I'm not going to drink either. Yeah. And I was, again, really shocked. And it's almost like as soon as you say, oh, I actually don't fancy drinking, other people, it's like it gives them a permission yeah. slip to not drink as yeah. well. But to each other we all have to have this bravado of like yeah tonight the pub let's all get pissed when a lot of us don't actually really want to do it I know and also I think even in that situation some people just or even want one drink and they that they're good with that and then they still feel like oh and I've got to carry on and carry on and carry on yeah and so people end up in these kind of very extreme um cases where it's very all or nothing and they don't know how to have any sort of balance or moderation either so you had your journey with alcohol and it led you to creating the sober girl society 
Talk to us about what the Sober Girl Society is because it looks really cool. Oh, thank you. Um, So the Sober Girl Society was something I started when I was seven months sober. So when I stopped drinking and I know a lot about AA now and I know a lot of people who have been through the program and absolutely swear by it. But what the preconceptions I had of AA when I stopped drinking is that I would go into a room, it would all be 60-year-old men and I would say, oh, hey, I'm a binge drinker and they would all laugh me out of the room, which I know is not true, but that was kind of like my idea of AA at the time so I looked around for kind of other things to help with and and the things I needed were like you know advice on sober dating or how do I go to a bottomless brunch if I'm not doing the bottomless part of it and although my friends kind of initially though ambivalent then really got on board and were supportive they still didn't get what I was going through I always say it's like if you're the only single friend in a friendship group your friends can be really supportive but they don't get it so I wanted to find other people that got it And also I started meeting other kind of sober or sober curious people and a lot of them said you know like I actually just want to do stuff that isn't going to a bar and going to a club and I love my friends and I love going out with them but I just don't want to do it every weekend anymore because I don't drink so I was like okay wouldn't it be cool if there was um like a a space for people and one of the pages I followed at the time actually was anti-diet riot club and I was like I love this there's like a cool collective of like young women who all have like a shared interest in something and I was like wouldn't it be great if there was one for like girls who don't want to drink or drink less so I was like well I know how to use Instagram I'll start a page so I just started it and then it just snowballed so today it is the world's largest community for sober and sober curious women I think we it's like 183,000 strong wow. now which for me like the best part of that number is to sh- show other people that you're not alone like I don't care about oh it's a follower account I care that other people turn up to that page and go wow there are so many other people that feel like I do um, so we run events we run meetups um, we have everything from like bottomless boozeless brunches to dance classes because it might sound really silly but one of the biggest things that people used to say to me that holds them back from not drinking is wow I can never get on a dance or sober so we're like cool let's rectify it so we like started running dance classes to give people like the confidence to get on a dance or sober so yeah it's just turned into this thing that I I never imagined but clearly so needed yeah you know and I'm curious what kind of stories you're hearing from the people attending like do you hear similar things of them kind of going oh, I'm, you know, similarly, I'm a binge drinker or are there kind of different types of relationships with alcohol that people have? Yeah, I mean, there is a whole spectrum, really. We get people who don't drink for religious reasons. We get people who don't drink because they've got a medical condition. We get people who don't drink because they're really into their fitness and or people that are really into their productivity. Like you get a whole host of reasons. And then you also at every meetup get, you know, someone who's one month sober and then you get someone who's 25 years sober. But We also say the meetups are not just for people who, you know, like don't drink entirely. It's for people who are maybe sober curious that actually just want to do fun stuff without alcohol. That is the main point is that we want to encourage people to just step outside of their comfort zone, do something that doesn't revolve around drinking and just come and enjoy themselves. But yeah, we get stories from all sorts. I I would say like a large portion of the stories are quite similar to mine. So many people that have stopped drinking because of mental health, mainly because of the anxiety after drinking and the blackouts and, you know, being in scary situations and things like that. That Mm. is kind of one of the biggest things that I see, especially in, in kind of young people that attend. But yeah, we get a whole plethora of people. What are the risks of drinking and drinking excessively? Because I know in your book, The Sober Girl 
Handbook or Sober Girl Society Handbook? Sober Girl Society Handbook. Yeah, we yeah. went back and forth on that title, but that's where we landed. <laughs> Sober Girl Society Handbook. I know you've kind of got a ton of stats in there and a load of information about how alcohol really does impact our mental health and well-being. And I, maybe I think it'd be really helpful to hear some of them if you have any at hand. I mean, there's so many. Okay, So the first one is obviously there are a lot of physical risks. So, uh, you know, alcohol has links with seven different types of cancers, um, especially for women, breast cancer being one of them. I think it's that your risk of breast cancer increases with just one drink a day, which is a stat that we don't really hear often. Um, But even just your risk of, you know, alcohol is involved as a causal factor in over 60 medical conditions. So it's everything from, you know, high blood pressure to depression, heart disease, liver cirrhosis, everything in between. Um, Last year there were, I think it was 283, thousand um admissions to hospital related to alcohol and that was i believe two percent higher than the year before and eight percent higher than the year before that so it's constantly rising and that's just kind of like the physical effects but then you've also got the mental effects which is where it really came into play with me and i think one of the things that i noticed with with the mental part of it is there is a direct link so in terms of alcohol increasing anxiety and depression but for me it was also real indirect things so like I would go out I would spend all my money and the next week I would be completely broke and that would affect my mental health because I was always stressed about my finances or I would go out and do something stupid and and, you know tell a friend that they were see you next Tuesday or whatnot and then wake up the next morning and think I've I've told someone I love like I'm, I'm an idiot and that kind of that really affects your mental health as well. But but like I said earlier, it's really, really hard to untangle. But for a lot of mental health conditions, you know, alcohol can make the symptoms worse. So if you've got like bipolar, drinking alcohol can only make symptoms of that worse. And what I found is that actually, although I still do suffer with my mental health, my symptoms are so much more manageable so you've got you've got everything from physical risk to mental risk to financial risks it, it there's not one part for me that alcohol didn't touch even if it was only in like a really minor way but it's a really hard subject because I think if I was to come on this podcast and say you know running was the best thing it saved my mental health and it's really great and I recommend it to everyone I don't think there'd be many people that are like oh you're so preachy and boring and judgmental but as soon as we want to talk about alcohol and these kind of stats that are really really important you get labeled as oh you're really preachy or you're judgmental or you want us to all stop drinking which is not the case at all like a lot of my friends drink a lot of my family drink so many people I know and love drink and I'm not trying to stop them drinking but I'm trying to help people like me who were drinking to excess and really putting themselves at risk of these things yeah finding you know for some people the solution is going sober you know I've got several friends I know who have gone sober and that is the solution for them because they don't know how to have a middle ground they don't know and you know engaging with it in alcohol in in that kind of way is tricky you know it's tough to kind of find any sort of balance with it whereas like I know myself obviously we talk a lot about intuitive eating and intuitive movement on here and if there's one thing I've always been completely intuitive with it's alcohol yeah um but I think that's because I don't necessarily love it there's things I like a drink or two but equally could go weeks months years without a drink you know I I feel that's one thing I am like actually this is this is all right for me but you know I also know that just because I'm okay with it doesn't mean that there are people that are on and so you know 
having the option to have understand these stats and go like oh wow these really play out my life um do you watch real housewives i don't do you oh. know what? there's just so many series i don't know where to start it's not i'm i'm queen of trashy tv okay. so it's not i'm against it i just don't know where to begin well you need to watch real housewives of beverly hills okay. and then you need to watch real housewives of new york from the beginning also salt lake city they're okay. the ones i've watched and they are Fine. chef's kiss amazing okay. What you will watch about all three of those different franchises is alcohol is a really big factor for them in their lives blowing up in their faces. Yeah. And I'm watching a series I'm watching a series now, Real Housewives of New York, and if people know that franchise, that one of the main women on there who's been on the show since the first series and I'm on series ten. She's gone on this whole journey and she's currently just been arrested for like disorderly contact and drinking and she's completely drunk, doesn't remember any of it and has had to go to rehab. Yeah. And like, I see that her, her whole life, you've kind of followed it for 10 years and you just see the path which ha- that happened. And what happened is she has had an awful lot of tough stuff happen in her life. She had a divorce, then she was met someone else and then long story short he cheated on her she got divorced again what was the consistency there in terms of helping her deal with all this stuff it was alcohol for her like what could she turn to to kind of numb it and she even says i was self-medicating other women on the show were like yeah through my divorce i was drinking loads more as well because it was how i coped and i think it's so interesting and where i see the parallels with diet culture and dieting and everything is because hey well we're taught all about having drinks and you know going out on the weekend to clubs and pubs and all the rest of it but we are not taught how to feel our emotions or no. deal with any of it and so for some people like me I didn't turn to alcohol I turned to controlling my food controlling exercise controlling my body but for other people it's alcohol but to me we're all dealing with the same stuff. Yeah, 100%. I say this all the time, is that everyone's got their thing. Mm. Like, for some people, it could be gambling. For some people, yeah. it could be, you know, restricting their eating. For me, it was drinking. We've all got our thing that we turn to. Yeah, mm. and it just so happens that, unfortunately, some have more ramifications than others. Like, for some people, it's reading, and that's quite positive. That is my mother. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She can't get her head out of the book. Yeah. She loves, she loves reading. I always kind of talk about, like, the morality morality of you know it's not that drinking is bad and it's not it, we can't label these things as good or bad it's just that some have worse side effects than others like just because I was a binge drinker and someone is a binge reader it doesn't make me a worse person than them it's just we deal with things differently and unfortunately the, the way I deal with things has you know a lot a lot more consequence to it so I need to find things that are actually healthier ways to escape and we all do need to escape like the world is so switched on we have to have some kind of method of escapism unfortunately my method of escapism was getting blackout drunk and then waking up in the morning and actually having more problems to deal with and then be like okay well I need to escape from these new problems I created so you know everyone does have a thing but it's about trying to make your thing something that doesn't cause you endless problems in your life ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mum's the Word is a brand new parenting podcast hosted by me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles, and all the other problems that come with parenting, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Join me each week on my journey through motherhood as we celebrate the amazing highs as well as the lows. As it's my first time, we'll have celebrities, experts, and hopefully you guys too who will help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Find us wherever you got this podcast. Something I'm always getting across with people when I'm talking about from like an intuitive movement perspective is like, what are your coping tools? What tools do you have? Because if exercise is your only thing, then that's going to become a crux. And then that's, you know, you need something else. And if you're like solely relying on drinking, then you need something else. And I suppose that's probably what you partly look at with the community as well is like helping these people go like if you are feeling really anxious what do you do like how do you feel confident on a night night out you know I love that visual of the iceberg and you know how I think like drinking and dieting and everything is that bit above the water and then yeah. you know the bulk of the iceberg being underneath what we can see underwater so, you know how are we actually looking after ourselves on a much deeper level because the drinking is a surface level bandage yeah isn't it and that's that's what most people find like they think the stopping drinking is the hard part and in effect it 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 really is but once you pull that away you all of a sudden have all these emotions to deal with and like I felt like I was feeling things for the Mm. first time because I'd been drinking since I was 18 and, and through that I've been through a lot of stuff you know everything from breakups job losses to to whatever and every everything I dealt with I was just drinking so you pull that away and this anxiety that I had all of a sudden I didn't know how to deal with it so I always say like when I first stopped drinking I actually went through a period of like real panic attacks because all of a sudden I was like I can't turn to this crutch so a lot of early sobriety is like learning actually what else can I do that that calms my brain and that's why with the events we do a lot of different things and try and get people interested in new hobbies so we'll do like craft work like workshops so we just did like a festive decoration workshop and we'll do like painting workshops and just trying to get people to do other things that like switch their mind off and I think importantly not focus on the end goal it's the process of doing it like I'm quite a perfectionist so when we did the painting workshop I was like trying to get to the end I was like why doesn't look good and then I have to remind myself even someone who's been doing this now I'm like no it's about the process it's about switching off it's about engaging in something and it's about you know just letting those those feelings out like you say having healthy hobbies yeah yeah (laughs) having healthy hobbies and interests perhaps being sober as well and the same way of like letting go of diets and diet culture kind of really opens up your time and energy and headspace to explore like what are you really interested in like what do you want to do you kind of you get your clarity back a hundred percent I think when you stop drinking as well you realize how much people talk about drinking Mm. so like if I go 
out with my friends, it'll be like, oh, okay, well, what drink are we bringing? What, what drink are we going to get for pre-drinks? Are you drinking this? What? How are we going to, like, when we get to the bar, is it going to be busy? Like, there's so much involved. Do you also find so many people, because one of my bugbears in life, because I can't ever relate is when people just go over and over they're like when we really drunk stories yeah and this happened and that happened and it was so funny blah 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 but you're like Sigh. but you're telling this while you're drinking so you already told this story three times and I'm like, I it's one of my bugbears in life like I just can't get on board with it I'm, I'm always kind of sat there in silence like I have nothing to contribute to this conversation yeah. because I don't get myself in messy drinking situations because I, you know what, interestingly enough, at that uni age, I had a few episodes of real like binge drinking, as you do as a student, because you're really trying to find your limits with it. And I found my limits several times. And I would, I think it was like, I'd say two, maybe three times. It got, you know, I went way too far, threw up all night. I had one gorgeous white duvet set (laughs) ruined and I had strawberry daiquiris oh that's a hard one to get out and I worked and I was like oh my goodness I don't remember anything like this was awful yeah I just went through long periods of not drinking after that because it was just I didn't ever want to feel like that again yeah so you were wise I was like I know what I'll do I'll do it again (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know you were like I'll test the boundary test the boundary test the boundary yeah but I think finding those finding those extremes early on I was like this ain't for me yeah (laughs) I can't do this um so I've got, you know, after the age of about 22, 23, I don't have any messy stories. Yeah. I went into my health and fitness phase, clearly, as well. I think <laughs> it's, it's hard because when, when people tell those stories, I remember myself telling those stories because this was a classic thing that I would do. But we have this kind of like self-deprecating humour as well, mm. like particularly in British culture. And so I would have a horrendous night out I would embarrass myself I would do stupid things I would wake up the next morning being like I feel absolutely horrendous but I would just try and laugh it off and I'd say to my friends like oh ha ha ruined my life again last night lol inside I was dying like we just kind of shake it off so like looking back I feel really sad for myself because I was like trying to make myself the butt of the joke and the punchline because actually it was easier than admitting to people think I might have a slight problem I've really embarrassed myself and I feel really ashamed of what I did last night I'd be like oh ha ha wasn't it funny so it, it's not really a bugbear of mine but I I try and I realize not everyone has the same relationship with, uh, as me with alcohol but I'm like I just I feel really sad when I hear those stories sometimes because I'm like you're trying to brush off something that was actually probably quite hard for you and just make it a bit of a joke yeah I think that's I I can only imagine I think that's people feel that and feel like yeah if we can kind of make light of it yeah um, then it's fine it's fine you know it's fine I want to talk about the tips that people can have if they're it's January now they're feeling like okay maybe I should be trying to question my relationship with alcohol like where do you even start what questions should you be asking so I would say in the same way that you kind of talk about like intuitive eating we have this concept in kind of the sobriety world which is mindful drinking so I think the first thing is to actually get curious about your drinking habit so so many of us just drink because we do or because our mates do but a lot of us don't actually interrogate our drinking habits and why we're drinking I drank for so long and it was only when I stopped drinking that I realised, wow, I actually really lacked in confidence. I was really insecure and that's why I was drinking. So I think asking yourself like, okay, why is it you drink? 
it might be because you just love it and you love having fun. It might be because it gives you confidence. It might be because you find it easier talking to people when you drink. And I think you can only begin to change your drinking habits when you understand why. So if it is confidence, okay, well, maybe it's the confidence you need to work on mm. and then you can start drinking less. If it's that you can't make conversation with people without drinking, maybe that's something you need to practice. Maybe you need to go to networking events. Like, I think understanding the root cause of your drinking is the first step to being able to change it and I think just understanding the role that alcohol kind of plays in your life and you know the classic who what where like are there places that make you want to drink more are there people that make you want to drink more you know maybe you hang around with your family members and they're constantly asking you when are you going to get married and that makes you want to turn to drink like those are the things to kind of understand maybe there's a group of friends that you feel really comfortable not drinking with okay we'll try and hang out with them a bit more so I think it's understanding the situations people places where you're more likely to drink and the things that trigger you to drink and kind of work backwards from there but also like there is an entire corner of the internet dedicated to this subject like books podcasts blogs social media influencers there's everything like there's so much support out there that isn't just the traditional routes that you might think of like there are definitely people out there in your corner and I mean, I think for me as well, a big one has been alcohol-free drinks. I think they yeah. are a great substitute. Um, there's a lot of uh, kind of stats around to show that they can really be beneficial when reducing alcohol harm. I think the only thing I would say is, you know, don't be substituting your morning coffee for a Heineken Zero. But if you're going to have a normal Heineken, maybe have a Heineken Zero instead. I think that's what we need to be careful about with alcohol-free drinks. But I think a lot of those can be really good. And then, you know... Come to a Sober Girl Society meetup. Meet loads of like similar people. I think that was one thing that really affirmed it for me as I started meeting other like-minded people and I'd be like, yeah, great. We all feel like this. I'm so glad I met these people and it's really reaffirmed my decision. I think the hardest thing that you can do is try and do this on your own, especially if you are just fully surrounded by people who drink. Community is so important. Absolutely. With all of this, you know, I think if there's people, especially with this overlap of diet culture and drinking, like if you can find podcasts like this and people like Millie, like you're good. You've also got a book as well. So we should I shout do. out your I book. handbook, yes. Sober Girl Society <laughs> handbook. Um, I want to uh, ask you a question that came in from a listener. Um, this was actually sent in prior to Christmas, but I think it's still a really great question and one that um, really applies now anyway. I'm desperately trying to stop drinking alcohol, but the social situations in the run-up to Christmas are so tough. It's actually making me worry that I can't say no um, because of the peer pressure. Any tips for staying sober and not giving in to peer pressure? It comes from a good place, but still not worth the hangover the next day. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, So some practical tips. I would say, look, make a list of why you are doing this put it on your phone if you have to so you can look at it be like you know I want to feel better mentally I want to get more finances whatever that list is put it down and then also maybe a counter list of all the reasons you don't want to drink because it makes me hungover because I feel like shit the next day all of those things put them on a list that'd be the first thing I'd say the second thing is have honest conversations with people I think we tend to have this real embarrassment around saying I don't want to drink because you know what the inevitable things are so 
I always hear people say, oh, you know, I tried to say I was on antibiotics and people were like, oh, you can drink on antibiotics or I tried to say I was driving and they said, it's fine, leave your car, I'll come pick you up. So actually what I found when I spoke to my friends and said, look, drinking is making me feel really miserable. Although I look like I'm having a great time on a night out, the next day I'm actually feeling really rubbish. I'd really appreciate if you could support me in not drinking. I don't know how long it's going to be for. It might be for everything, it might not. And I'd just love you to get on board. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, cool, of course. Like... it's really hard because you do have to have that like element of vulnerability but if these are people that you feel like you can do that with do it because I just think people will respect the honesty and what I found is when I started saying that people were like oh yeah me too like yeah Mm. I just heard it so much I think if you don't feel comfortable doing that with people I think practicing responses to things so even if you practice them in the mirror so you don't waver if someone says do you want a drink like what's your response gonna be I think practicing those because otherwise you'll waver I think when as soon as you get to wherever it is that you're going go straight to the bar get an non-alcoholic drink because I think if you come in and people say oh let me get you a drink there's the inevitable conversation that you might not want to have or like just go straight to the bar get that drink come back and if you've got a drink in your hand it's unlikely that people are going to ask you if all of those fail and I don't always recommend lying but just go with the old fake gin and tonic you will be so surprised how many bartenders are used to having someone come up and say can I just get a gin and tonic but without the gin just get that tell people you're drinking and after a few drinks they will not even notice like that is your fail safe method but I always recommend the other things first yeah you know as well like me kind of saying I had I I don't know it's one thing I'm quite strong-minded about is drinking and sometimes I want to drink and sometimes I don't and more often than not I don't and there's often social situations um especially with like family when it's also not necessarily my immediate family and they're like come on Tally have a glass of wine have a glass of wine and they they would ask me every time (laughs) every time I'd be like no I'm good thanks I'm just gonna have this or you know all you know for me it'd be like half a glass or something but rarely often it'd be like I'm good thank you and you know it's really hard to have that boundary but I think if you're just nice and polite and just say like I'm okay I'm okay I'm okay I think often the pushback for people when you're not drinking is because it just it makes them feel like it highlights their need for alcohol and they're kind of like I want to be in this with someone I don't want to be in this on my own like you know I need to drink but I need you to also need to drink because then I'd feel less bad about it yeah um but I think like you say this person asking the question may also find like you did that being the person not drinking will also help other people chill out a bit with their alcohol so maybe everyone can have have a drink but you know not have five you know I, I wonder if that scenario would happen I know my own experience you know often it it does like you know if I'm happy after one or two you know I'm often I'm good yeah good and you know I've been many scenarios in pubs where people have gone I'm doing this I'm doing that off sometimes I go to bed early I think that's another good one yeah (laughs) if you you're able to just leave and go you guys have fun I'm gonna go to bed yeah um classic yeah that's always a good one I think yeah um just yeah just saying like no thank you yeah Sometimes it doesn't even require an explanation, does it? It It's the classic, it's a full sentence. Right, because it shouldn't require an explanation. But I think because people have their own insecurities, they they feel like, 
Yeah, and I know this because, so I actually participated in a campaign with Alcohol Change, who I'm an ambassador for, and it was called the Stop Sober Shaming Campaign. Mm. And it really made me reflect on my own behaviour. And I was your classic person who said, come on, drink quicker, drink up, why not drink in, you're so boring. That was me. So when people say it to me now, and it's not always the case, but I understand a lot of it comes from their own insecurity around alcohol. For me, I was like, well, if no one else drinks they're all going to notice how drunk I am and Mm. I don't want to be the only one and them saying no kind of made me feel abnormal about my behavior because I'm like how can they turn down a drink yet for me it's the one thing that I'm thinking of like how is everyone not drinking as quick as me have I got a problem and it was highlighting what was wrong with me and my alcohol use and I hated that so I was just trying to get everyone else on my level and so that is one thing I bear in mind as well when it happens to me I'm like yeah it's cool like it's a projection (laughs) it's a projection like and I keep that in mind because I was one of the worst so when people do it to me now I'm like it's fine well in the same vein then how do you approach someone or you know if you feel like you've got a friend who you're noticing that they're really putting pressure on others to kind of drink up come on let me get you another drink get the rounds in if you feel like oh they're doing this on a very regular basis and they're often getting quite messy how do you broach that what's your advice for those who can think okay this isn't me but this might be my friends and loved ones like what do I do yeah I think the most important thing is don't approach it when they are drinking because you can't rationalize with someone the way alcohol affects your brain it is very hard to rationalize someone who is drinking and they're more likely to feel attacked and so you have the conversation you know when they're sober when you can bring it up and also so there's there's two amazing charities one is called we are with you and one is called nakoa so we are with you is kind of for friends and family members and nakoa is if you are a child of a parent who is a dependent drinker and they have great advice on how to kind of broach these subjects and one of the things that they say is come from an i perspective so rather than being like you're pressuring everyone and it's really annoying you can say i feel uncomfortable when you pressure people so it's not an attack it's about you and how you feel so i think that is a really good standpoint to come but also to come from a place of love is if you know that this might be the reason you know like is everything all right and I always say look you don't necessarily need to address the drinking because the drinking is usually a symptom of Mm -hmm. something so like if someone had come over to me and said like is everything okay like with your anxiety or your mental health because you know you seem like you're struggling a bit then I could have spoken about that and then I might not have needed to to drink so much someone didn't necessarily need to come at me about my drinking but possibly what was going on underneath and the reason for my drinking so you can always approach people with love of like just is everything okay at the moment like when we go out I noticed that um like or yeah I feel uncomfortable when you pressure people to drink I'm just a bit worried about you is everything okay I think it's really hard to to feel that attacked if someone is genuinely coming from a place from love. I think you just have to be really careful about the times and, and how you approach it. Yeah, I think that's really helpful advice. Um, and I, I'm sure lots of people are taking that on board. Okay, Millie, we finish every episode by asking each guest about their most recent train happy moment. Have you had one? Oh, do you know what? Probably... I love running our dance classes. Like for me, I participate in them, but I also watch them. And I love people come into that room and I get messages beforehand. I'm really scared. I can't dance. I've got two left feet. By the end, they are like strutting down this studio space. And I just love that. I love seeing women come in and be 
not that I love seeing women shy and timid, but I love the evolution and the growth of them coming in and actually like stepping into, sounds really cliche, but like stepping into their power and kind of leaving just like fully confident about the fact that they can get on a dance floor. So for me, that's like the biggest one. I'm very like, exercise for me has never been about the way I look. I'm so focused on my mental health and the way it makes me feel. So to watch people come out of that dance class everyone of all different shapes and sizes to be able to take part in that dance class and come out and go I really got something from that that is I just I cry every time after I go home and I'm like oh I'm so emotional (laughs) (laughs) but you know what all the confidence that people have been looking for in a glass of wine they can find in a dance class you know and I think that is the beauty of movement when we approach it with kind of the right mindset and like a healthy attitude it can be such an empowering thing to do and I think that's the point of all of this right we've been looking to alcohol to empower us and to give us that confidence and to you know um just kind of push us out of our comfort zone but actually there are so many other ways to do it and you know going to a dance class doing something like that especially can be so feel good so just yeah so supportive so lovely I, I I think it's really important and I'm so glad you're doing it and I'm so glad that movement is a big part of sober girl society uh, you have to come to the next I would class. love to yeah. I would love to because I think you do them with SOS dances yeah so we've started doing them with them in Manchester actually and they're amazing and they kind of really embody the same thing that we do which is all about you know helping women get the confidence oh, so. they're the best they are the best um, I know Bonnie who runs SOS well and yeah. she is fab and I just think what they're doing is amazing so if you're looking for a dance class in the uk sos dances they've got cl- instructors all over the uk so you have to check them out um oh, millie we could chat for ages on we this. could yeah we could, <laughs> we could really put the worlds to right too. Um, but where can people find you where can people find the sober girl society and your book as well yeah so the book is available on all places that you can buy books um, and the best place to find us is at Sober Girl Society on Instagram and newly on TikTok. <laughs> You're, she says newly. We well, never sober. even know how like, big you are on TikTok. Sober Girl Society is new on TikTok. I've been on TikTok for a while. I thought, you know, it's just for 21-year-olds, but it turns out there's a place for for millennials. You do, like, days out for sober people. You're like, yeah. what can you do a day out that's... And I, I watch them all. Oh, oh my god you're always on my for you page always I'm like where's your today oh I want to do oh, that yeah well I think the thing is so many people said like it's the one trolling comment I get and I'm quite lucky because I don't really get that much but the one is like oh sobriety how boring and I was like do you know what I want to show you how much fun there is and also when you stop drinking people are like okay well what else can I do for fun mm. and I'm like there's so much out there these days that you can do for fun that isn't a bar and isn't a club so I originally got on TikTok because I was having a bit of a life crisis um, and I was turning 30 and I was like, do you know what? I want to do 30 new things before I turn 30. Yes. So I was like, I'm going to document it. And I was like, I've heard about this new cool platform called TikTok. So I started it. And actually one of the comments that people kept saying was, oh, I love that like none of this revolves around alcohol. And I kind of talked about my story a little bit. Like one of the things I did, I was like a book fairy for a day. So I like left my book in places. And people actually really started to like, talk about the sobriety element of it and loved it so I was like okay I'm gonna evolve the series which is now wholesome fun so yeah I have a lot of fun doing it and proving people wrong that sobriety is not boring and as the title suggests it's the wholesome the wholesome I feel very wholesome afterwards <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you Millie it has been such a pleasure and everyone now needs to go find you on TikTok as well oh thank you 
But that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please do let us know on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. And we do want to hear from you. We want your questions. We want to hear your train happy moments. And we'd love to feature you as Train Happy Trooper of the Week. So remember, you can get in touch with us via our WhatsApp. It is 07599927537. And whatever podcast platform you're choosing to listen to us on, please rate and review. It really helps the show and it really helps spread the train a happy message. And that is it for this week. I'll be back with a brand new episode for you next Monday. See you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.